to those who haven't been with us, we are in the book of Luke, so you can turn with us there. We're in the 10th chapter. If, you, if you're using one of these black Bibles, we're on page 869. <clears throat> and uh, these, the chapter 10 and the beginning of chapter 11 are paired well together, like a nice wine. And we see in the story... Uh, at the very beginning of, uh, in verse 25, we're hearing about this lawyer that's coming asking Jesus uh, what it is to inherit eternal life. What does it mean to be at peace with God? What is, he really, what is God really getting at? And we see the answer uh, for what that is, and we find out later that uh, we're going to saw last week that he tells the story of the Good Samaritan. And then we see in these verses today, uh, we're, we're going to see how uh, what's the effect of the Good Samaritan story in our lives, and how do we respond to that, and, and what does that mean to us? And we see the, both the, the horizontal love that we are to have and the vertical love. And then, uh, we won't get to do this next week because we'll start Advent next week, but at the first of the year, we'll hear from uh, the first part of chapter 11 where we see the Lord's Prayer, and, and he's going to fulfill. So all uh, fulfill what we see in the verses coming today. So all of these are taken well together. Read these at home. Enjoy them. See how they fit together. It's a beautiful masterpiece that Luke is putting together, cobbling these stories together just at the right time and sequence so we can see this big picture that God has for us. So this lawyer comes up to Jesus, asks Jesus, how do I receive eternal life? What, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus asks the question back to him, well, what, do you, what does the law say? And so he does this great job of summarizing the law that all of the things that God has said to him so far points to these two basic things that are connected, that you are to love your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and then to love your neighbor as yourself. And as we saw last week, then the, the guy says, well, I got another question for you then. Well, who is my neighbor? And it says, that the Bible says that he was trying to justify himself. And what happens is he, he doesn't know how far this love is to extend. To whom is it to extend? Is it to be to family, to kin, to those people that are close to him and he's supposed to love them as Christ would love? Is it extend even a little bit further to those people who are kind of like him, you know, that, that think the same way, maybe they're economically the same, maybe they live in the same village, they, the same ethnicity, whatever, the same kind of people, or is it even further than that, the people who are in the same kind of kingdom? Like his kingdom would be Israel, so all Israelites, those are my people, I'm extending love to them, and they have enough needs, but he would probably not have guessed that God is saying there's something more. You see, he understood the, in the Old Testament that God had a chesed kind of love. That's the Hebrew word. It's this long, enduring love. God is going to continue to love you and love you and love you. Kind of a bulldog grab you by the nape, nape of the neck and say, I'm just going to keep loving you. You may try and get away, but I'm going to hold on for dear life. And that's how God loves us. He just holds on to us, and it's an enduring love. So he would have known that your love endures forever and ever and ever and ever. Amen. But he might not have guessed how wide <laughs> the love of God is. He, know the, he knew the length of it, but he didn't know the width and the, the depth of it. 
Jesus wants us to love beyond just kin and, and king, kin and kind and kingdom, but our love is to extend to all people, all kinds of people. And then Jesus really laid it on heavy, didn't he, last week? <laughs> he tells a story about this man who's beaten and that there's a good Samaritan who takes care of this man who's beside the, uh, side of the road and he cares for him and, and he talks about now the kind of the depth of love, that it's going to cost you financially, it's going to inconvenience you. This is the kind of love that we are to have for even complete strangers. It's a lot. It's pretty heavy. And, and if, if we left this place and we lived out those words this last week when all of our family was together, I'm telling you, it was a struggle. Amen. Like the Good Samaritan just haunts us. As you're sitting there with a belly full of turkey and the sleep comes on you and it's time to do dishes. Like, oh Lord, I'm just going to pretend like I'm asleep and forget the story of the Good Samaritan. God has something else for us, right? A love that is long, wide, and it's deep. But the problem is, if you really live out the story of the Good Samaritan, he calls us to something that is extraordinary, extraordinary and extraordinarily difficult. Man, you look around and you see there's a lot of struggle around us, amen? I mean, we got our own. But then we look at other people and there's so much mess in the world. There are so many people besides the, the road who are, who are struggling and they require so much of it. If you are faithful to the story of the Good Samaritan, what Jesus is getting at, it will wear you out. Amen? You been there? <laughs> it... it, it it costs us financially, it causes us physically, it causes us spiritually, it costs us emotionally to keep giving of ourselves to others, and it is more than we can do. So let's look at our story today, maybe get a little help from our Savior. And we are in verse 38, and I'll just read you the story. And Jesus and his disciples were on their way. He came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be, had to be made. And she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself. Don't you, don't you even care? Tell her to help me. <laughs> Martha, Martha. <laughs> the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but a few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Mm. Wait, Jesus, 
hold on a minute. Didn't we just say that we were supposed to work hard for the kingdom of God and bless other people? And here is this woman doing exactly what you said, and then you give her a hard time. That doesn't seem fair. You know, the, the Old Testament, the, the tablets were the, the, first, the first set of rules and the second half of, this, of, the, of, the, of the rules, the, the Ten Commandments. The first one deals our vertical relationship to God and the second one deals with our horizontal relationship with others. And they, they all fit together. That's how we got this, that's how he boiled down the law, this lawyer did, because he, he understood those things. And now God is saying, I want you to love these people well but you also have to love me well. He, you see, good work isn't always so good when it's full of busyness. <clears throat> you, you notice what Martha does here? Here's this sweet lady Mary sitting at Jesus' feet and he's giving her instructions and Martha comes up and now gives Jesus instructions. The, tell her to, and it makes sense though, doesn't it? I mean, a lot of us are Mary, I mean, Martha's in here, aren't we? Right? We're busy doing the work, sometimes even the work of Jesus, right? Sometimes we're doing good Samaritan work. And we're like, come on now, I mean, we're throwing a party for Jesus. What are you doing sitting down talking to Jesus? We, ha we have something going on here and it requires a lot of work. We want to be faithful to the Good Samaritan. We want to work hard for the kingdom of God. And here you are sitting. You're not doing the work. It's because Martha failed to see. She may have had eyes for her neighbor, but she didn't have ears for Jesus. She was willing to work, but she had, she had lost sight of what was really important. Jesus says, Mary has chosen what is better. Sometimes we mix up what is good with what is better. See, she was, she was doing a good work. She was doing what was expected, but she failed to see the most important thing in the room was Jesus. Busyness, I want to tell you, busyness is easy. Busyness is easy. That sounds almost counterintuitive. Like, I don't want to be busy. But busyness is easy. It doesn't take as much thought. We kind of get going, right? And we get moving along and we get busy doing our stuff and we stop thinking. Do you know what I'm talking about? We stop thinking. And we're just active and doing and we feel like we're satisfying something. And what happens is our busyness morphs into something else. That busyness then is we've stopped thinking about what is important and we're just acting. And when we act, we, we sometimes get carried away. We, uh, some of those things are insecurities and other things that we have, problems that we have. They, they, are, they are masked by our busyness, and we feel like we're doing okay because we're busy. So we, our busyness is easy, but it is not good. I, uh, th there's a certain loneliness that busyness brings to us. Are you familiar with that loneliness? I had one of my good buddies, man. He, he was a, he was this, he, he worked with kids. He worked with kids from the projects. And we, 
and he was, he was the hardy, hardest working minister that I knew. Devoted. Prayerful for these kids. I mean, he did the job that nobody else wanted to do. And one Sunday they had him preach. And he preached this, these verses. I was like, all right. And so he got to preaching. And he said, now you know, you should be more like Martha. You people need to get to work and help out with the ministry. You're sitting back there like that. But Martha, she made Martha the hero. It's like, brother, I think you got this one wrong. But why did he do that? It's because he felt lonely. Even though there are these tons of people working, he felt alone in his ministry because he got so busy in doing such a good thing that he forgot the thing that was better. Busyness brings about loneliness and brings conflict, right? So it's like, why isn't she helping do this very thing? It's a simple mistake to make. Notice all this worry language that's in here. It's all throughout the book of Luke that don't be worried about the things of this world. Don't be worried about what you're going to eat, but trust in Jesus. Now, I don't want these words to be hollow for you today because I know life, we have so many responsibilities. And there are seasons, right, where it seems like your work is even greater. So when you're when you're in high school, when you get that freshman year in high school, man, do we have any freshmen? We have a couple freshmen, don't we? That freshman year in high school, all of a sudden the work just ramps up. And you parents, you know what I'm talking about. Like, yeah, they're bringing home homework or they're just busy doing projects and they've never been so stressed out in their life. But then you get to college, right? And then you get to college and you're pulling all-nighters, Right? And then you go off to whatever school after that, and, and you, you never, you're never seen. Or then you enter the workplace, and when you're in the workplace, all those first few years, you've got to establish yourself, and you work all kinds of crazy hours, or you don't have a very good job, so you've got to have three of them. Amen. And you're just working and working, and then you have kids. Oh, my goodness. And they're up to all hours of night and waking you up, and they're spit and vomit. It's just terrible. You don't sleep, and you always think, that child, you don't have any children like this one. They never sleep, and you're tired, and you're grumpy, and, and it's another season of life. And then they, then they get to high school, and, and then you don't, you're worried. They're not at home, but you're worried all the time, so you can't sleep, or you're staying up until 10, 30, or 11, waiting for them to come home. Well, begin to see we're always in a season of life. We're always in a season of life. So when will we not be busy? It's a choice we make. Busyness is easy. It requires very little thought. Be still. Be still and consider. What would God have me to do with my time? How do I organize my schedule and my life so that I can have time for devotion with him? Jesus said, you have, you've, neglected the, you've neglected the one thing. 
that is truly made, needed. <clears throat> you know, the, the idea of a well is you dig a, you dig a deep hole and you kind of put things around it and you dip something in it to get the water. You have a pump. And if you don't access, you know, I kind of wondered, like, how does that well, that water that's pouring in there, how does it not, like, come out? But it doesn't. It just has a perfect kind of rest state. But what happens if you don't dig, if you don't dip into a well and take the water out, there's just kind of a, a perfect balance within the well. The water's not coming in, so the water that's in your well is actually become stagnant. And so you, it's not drinkable anymore. It's not usable anymore. So what you have to do is, if you want fresh water, you have to continue to use. You have to continue to get the water out. And then when you take, displace the water, more water flows in. And so you have fresh water. So that's the idea of the well. A well has to be used. It's much like our spiritual life. He's saying in this story of the Good Samaritan, we have to exercise our spiritual life. We have to exercise our love with others. Because if not, we become stank. We become stank? If y'all just looked that up. I think that's a great word. We become stank. That's great. I like that. We're adding new words to vocabulary. But you get the idea. You become stank. But you take the water out and it becomes refreshed. If you exercise your faith, if you're giving that love away, then fresh water comes in. Jesus is saying you are going to become, you have to be faithful in loving others. And in doing so, it's going to require you then to receive this fresh water. We must give ourselves away. We must receive from Jesus this fresh spring, this living water. Jesus oftentimes calls himself this living water. Even through the Old Testament, this idea of this spring that comes forth, flowing into a river, that Jesus is our living water. That is the thing. That is the one thing. It is the better thing. So, to-do list. Are you ready? Write it down. Make time for Jesus. Set aside some time. Consider, how, we, how am I going to spend, how am I going to find this time to be with him? How am I going to organize my life? How am I going to be faithful to this? How am I going to have eyes for my neighbor, but also ears to hear from Jesus? To be quiet. To be still. To know him. It's really the good stuff, isn't it? I, like, that is our refresher. But it's so hard to get to sometimes. Let's uh, replace our busyness with his presence. That we might be even better lovers of those around us. That we don't become so tense and irritable, but that we work out a peace. And so let that be kind of the, the check for you. When you feel that Thanksgiving <coughs> feeling on Thanksgiving, and you feel that kind of in your spirit, say, something's not right. I know what it is. Jesus is here. He's promised his spirit. And I need to be still with him. But when you feel this, know it's time for this. 